Would you stand for the reading of scripture? Ethan is going to read for us. The second epistle of John. The elder. To the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also those who have known the truth. Because of the truth, which abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth as we received commandment from the Father. And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. This is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves, that we do not look to those things we have we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Having many things to write to you, I do not wish to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face, that our joy may be full. The children of your elect sister greet you. Amen. Lord, we are thankful for your word, which brings light and life to us. Lord, I pray that you would make us what you want us to be. May we have ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to perceive that which is your word and your truth for us today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I'm going to, speak, I'm going to be speaking from the book of Second John. Um, Second John is one of the shortest books of the Bible, uh, the shortest being that of John, which, that John which we're going to do in two weeks' time. But through this series, Ryan and I are going to alternate on these short epistles that um, are usually missed because they're very short. But we're going to alternate on those as we get ready for, um, for small group um, teaching as we come to the fall. So this summer we're going to go through this those books together. So I'm starting the series today with the book of Second John. Um, it's got about 245 words in Greek and 298 in English. It's very short. Um, usually when we ask people what's the shortest book of the Bible, it's either they point to Philemon or they point to Jude. But this book is one of the shortest and the shortest of them all is Dead John. And so I'm going to be going through um, that today. My title for both, for both talks on, on second and third John are going to be coming from the fourth verse of both the second and the third book of John, which speaks about walking in the truth. So we see here the writer of this book presents himself as an elder. Uh, we are told that at that time John was much of an older man. He was older, so he presents himself as an elder. David um, usually says in the elders, I am the elder elder. And John here is the elder apostle, but elder elder too, because he's an old man who is writing to the church. And there's questions about who's this lady that he's writing to. I, 
I don't want to get into that discussion because we can spend the whole time and not find anything anyway. Um, there is some people who believe the lady that he's writing to is a specific lady who has a church that meets at, his, at her home, and other people believe that the lady that he's writing to is the church because the church is the body of Christ, so he's referred to um, the lady. So whatever way you want to take it, go ahead. I'm not going to go into that war. There is a lot of war. I mean, scholars are divided 50-50 on what should be um, regarded as the person that he's writing to. But we know that he's writing to a church anyway because he refers to the church a lot. And we know as well that the people that he's writing to is people that he knows and they know him. And this is shown in the way that he writes. So he starts with a greeting and he says to the elect lady and her children, to the elder and the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and, I, and not only I, but those who have known the truth, because of the truth which abides in us and will be in us forever. So the old man writes and he says to them, I'm writing to those who know the truth. And one thing that he sets there is that when we know the truth, we begin to love those that know the truth. We love each other in the truth. The truth abides in us. But if you think about it, who said I am the way, the truth, and the life? It's a Sunday school answer. Jesus, he is the way, not a way, he is the way. He is not a truth, he is the truth. And he is not a life, he is the life. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so John emphasizes the issue of the truth. In both the books that we're going to read, we're going to work on 2nd John and 3rd John, he speaks a lot about the truth. And also not only in those, but in other writings too that John has written in the gospel. Some about 37 times in the New Testament he mentions the truth. And so John, in a way, is one person who, who shows us that as Christians, what binds us together is not our social status or our social connectedness. It's not our political connectedness. It's not our class. What binds us together is the common truth. What leads us to be together as a church, as believers in Jesus, is nothing else but the truth. The truth is the glue that binds us together. What is in common for us is the truth. What is in common for us is not politics. What is not common for us is not social status. But what is in common to us is the truth. Who is the life, the way, and the truth? Who is the truth? He binds us together. And then he goes on and says, this truth will be with us forever. John speaks of a truth that is abiding, not a truth that is fleeting, not a truth that is passing. It will be with us. I would actually put, put it in a way and say, the truth, he will be with us forever. That is why we can be here together. 
from different social spaces, from different political spaces, from different classes, we are together because our binding and our common denominator is the truth, which is Jesus Christ. Amen. So many people today think of the truth and think that the truth changes with time. Many people do today. Many people believe that the truth changes with generation. Many people believe that the truth changes and and fixes to a certain generation. Something that is true at this generation might not be true at this generation. There are a lot of things that are going out there. But the truth that John is speaking about is the truth that is objective, a truth that is defined, a truth that is absolute. It does not change. The truth about Jesus, the truth, about, from, the truth from this book does not change. It stays the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. The truth of Jesus is not changed by our opinion. The truth of Jesus is not, share, is not changed by the way our political system is. The truth of Jesus is not, shaped, is not changed by how advanced our society is. The truth of Jesus remains the same. It is objective, it is definable, and it is absolute. That's simple, straightforward. That's the truth. And then he goes on. John here speaks again the whole idea of that we are not bound by anything else. We are bound by this truth that does not change. There are a few things about the truth. The truth is embodied in Jesus himself. It's embodied in him. He is the truth. He is the living truth. And the truth as it's written in the Gospels and in the Bible. It's inscripturated. It's written down for us. And for us to pass it on to the next generation as it is. And I want to encourage us, as we think about this, as we read a little bit from John today and understand what John is saying, is that in their days as well, there were so many pluralistic issues. I know our culture is so pluralistic, it's not even funny. Christians are even afraid to stand and say the truth. They say, yeah, it's your truth, this is my truth. But the truth is absolute. We are afraid to say that because of our culture. But that's not the way we are called to be. We are called to be bold and speak the truth and live the truth. We don't only speak it, we live it. The problem with believers today, the reason why we are afraid is because we only only can speak it and we choose which ones we want to speak and then we can't live it. That's the problem. But we need to pass in on this truth to our children and our children's children as the truth of the gospel that is embodied in, embodied in Jesus Christ himself. Jesus said something which I really like. Jesus said this, I am the truth and the life. Nobody comes to the Father through me. I use the word finish and clar. That's what we would say in Afrikaans. To say that that's it, it's absolute, there is no change. In course, I would say, ha, 
He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. In our world today, we hear all roads lead to heaven. Nope, they don't. All roads lead to the Father. Nope, they don't. And I can stand and say that because that's what Jesus said. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father through me. It's definable, it's objective, and the absolute, it doesn't change. That's the truth that John is speaking about. And we know also that there were some other issues with the truth that were going on during John's time, and he explains it. People would not believe that Jesus came in body and was alive. And we're going to go into that if we have time. But I want us to as well realize that it's not only us that are facing a pluralistic world. The first century faced their own pluralistic world that had its own ideas. But because they knew in whom they had believed, it did not move them. Broadway, do you know in whom you have believed? He is the way, the truth, and the life. And that truth is unchangeable. That truth is undilutable. So he goes on, and John, in his greeting, he says to them, Grace... Mercy, peace will be with you from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and in love. A few things to note there is that during those times when people would write, they would just use the word greetings, which is the Greek word cherin. But then he goes on and he uses grace, which is cherries. He says grace, mercy, peace in truth and in love. The grace that we see there, he's speaking of the favor that we do not deserve. We're just saying about the favor that we do not deserve. That's what he's speaking about. And when he speaks of mercy, he uses the word elos, which speaks of receiving, not receiving, sorry, what we deserved. When we see grace, Cherry speaks of this favor, what we, we received, and mercy speaks of what we did not receive, that which we deserved. We deserved the cross, but Jesus took it for us. Mercy. Mercy. Grace, we received favor through him. And then he goes on and says, peace. And this speaks of a tranquil state of a soul that knows, that knows that it's settled in Jesus. A peace that passes our understanding. A soul that knows that it's got a destination. A soul that knows, that has an assured peace, an assured knowledge of what is happening and what is going to happen. We know who we have believed in. We know what his plan and purpose is for us in the end. We just went through the book of Revelation. We know what the end of the chapter or the beginning of the new chapter looks like for us. We know. And so our our souls are at peace. And then he goes on and says, with truth, which is the word aletheia, which speaks of this very thing, the truth that is objective. And then he says, with love, the agape kind, God kind of love, 
which is a feast of love that does not come to an end. So I want us to remember this as we go through this, that there is these words that they have used that the disciples started to use as a way of greeting. And they emphasized these words, grace, mercy, peace, truth, and love. So many other places when you read the, the epistles, you find those words that they use. And then he goes on. He speaks about what our love is. Our love is in relationship with the truth. Our love is tempered by truth, and our convictions about truth are softened by love. Truth and love go together. God's truth and God's love can never be separated. When we walk in God's truth and God's love, we have grace and mercy and peace, but also those two, his truth and his love, go hand in hand. Our love here that they are talking about is not the love of emotions that comes and goes. And the truth he's talking about is not the truth of intuition, that it's here today and the way I understand it tomorrow has changed. It's solid. Those two walk hand in hand. And then John goes on and says, I am glad to find that some of your children are walking in the truth. Let's speak about walking in the truth. In walking in the truth, the evangelist does not want us to lose our voice in our generation. We are losing our voice in our generation as a, as a church. Why? Because we, we speak part of the truth and we walk half of the truth. We need to speak the whole truth and walk the whole truth. For us to have a meaningful voice, we need to. David Wall says, if, an, if the evangelical church does not want to lose its voice in this generation, it must remember two points in particular. Number one, that Christianity is about truth. And number two, that those who say are Christians must model this truth by their integrity and by their love. We are people of integrity and love. We can't say we are speaking the truth and walking in the truth while on the other side we are not. We, see, we tell people about the truth but we are not walking it. Our walk and our mouth, these two should be in sync. And the problem with the church today is just like the, we find ourselves in a place where we speak a lot and walk illegal. Our walk is important as our words are important too. Don't speak it. Walk it. Leave it. And then speak it. Then you have a right to. For a Christian to bring something meaningful to our generation today, that is compelling to our generation today, we need to not only speak the truth, but walk it. Not walking in spin doctor's ideas the church, the evangelical church in America has been mixed up with spin doctors' ideas. We need to get out of that and speak the truth and walk the truth and live the truth. The world around us is going on hype and spin, and that's not us. We are people of integrity. We are people of truth that is said and lived. 
John says he is he finds joy. His response he says, I find joy. I am joyful that I find some of your children walking in the truth. It makes me sad to a, a moment to think about it that he doesn't say, I find all your children walking in the truth. But he says, I find some of your children walking in the truth. And when I find this, I have got joy because there is hope. This is the heart of a pastor. He finds joy in that they are walking in the truth. They are staying on the path. They are not moving away by spins and, and theories and things. They are stuck in what God's word said, and that's the truth, and they stick with that. And, joy, and John says, I find joy in that. When we stay the course. How do we stay the course? Good example. The word of the Lord to Joshua, 1, 6 through 9. Be strong and courageous. For this people you shall divide an inheritance in the land which I sought to your fathers to give them. Only be strong and courageous. We need to be strong and courageous in our generation. And then he goes on and says, be strong and courageous so that you may observe and do according to the law of Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn it to the right or to the left that you may prosper and it will go well. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate upon it day and night, and you shall observe to do, to do according to what is written in it. For it will make your way prosperous, and you have good success. Have not I commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, but dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. When we we see here in, in Joshua, he doesn't only tell him that keep this truth and tell this truth, but he tells him, tell this truth and observe it, leave it, do it. Church, as we speak the truth to the world, do we just speak it or do we leave it? It's a question for you and me. As I say that I'm a child of God, I'm a Christian, I'm a holder of the truth. Am I just speaking it without leaving it? Can people say by my conduct and my walk that I am walking in the truth? Or will they say, ah, he talks the truth, but he doesn't walk it. If we're going to have a meaningful impact in our generation, and I'm speaking as well as a youth pastor, our young people are not looking for us to yep, yep and tell them. They are looking for us to walk it. The problem we have in our youth as well is that they are watching. They are watching us here at church. They are watching, uh, they are believing adults who speak the truth but walk differently. That's hypocrisy. We are called to speak and walk the truth. John goes on and he gives them a command. He's still speaking about truth. I love this guy, John. John has a reminder. The reminder is a commandment that they know already. To love one another. To love one another. Our integrity as Christians can be measured by our love for one another. 
And loving one another is not a mushy-mushy thing of, oh yeah, you do whatever you want, everything will be fine and great and awesome. Oh, praise Jesus for you. No, that's not what he's talking about. Solid love for one another is love where you can confront your brother in love. Remember, confront your brother in what? In love. Confront your sister in love. So he says, we love one another. This is the measure and he has spoken about this before. John 13, 35. He says this is the way you will, they will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. 1 John 4, 20 and 21. He says, if someone says I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God who has not, whom he has not seen? And this is the commandment you have heard from him. That he who loves God must love his brother also. First John 4, 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loves not does not know God. For God is love. Truth and love. Jesus, truth. For God is love. Truth and love together. Our love is humble. Our love is not proud. And we see it here in the elder, John. He has the right. This is a request. He says, I, I plead with you. He has a right to demand. He's an elder. He's an apostle. At this time, apparently, and as we say that at this time, he was, one of the, he was the only one, I think, of the apostles who was still alive. So he was the only one who had seen Jesus and lived with him in hand in hand as his disciple followed him, was one of the three that were closest to Jesus. He was the only one left alive. He had the right to demand that I demand that you love one another. But he says, I plead. He's humbly requesting. He's an old man who can say whatever he wants. But he, he, he takes the tone of a servant, takes the tone of somebody who is pleading and he says, Please, I beg you to love one another. If we love God, we will walk this way in truth and in love. And then John goes on and he speaks. He gives the second thing. He's a reminder that we show God's love by walking in love. This is how we show God's love. They will know that we are his disciples because we love one another. This is how we show by walking in that love. And then he goes on from the reminder. He gives us a warning. He speaks of the presence and the dangers of having false teachers. And this is a hot topic today. Because it was a hot topic ever since the beginning. Because there were false teachers even when the disciples were still alive. It's not a new thing. To have false teachers. He even says to them that you know that the Antichrist is coming, but yet he is here already. During that time, when scripture was being written, first century, there was already false teachers. In the book of Third John, you hear him speaking of this guy who loves to be a leader and is leading people astray. They are already there. False teachers were already there and they are still here today. How do we know what false teachers are? 
Let's read again. Verse 7 onwards. He says, For many deceivers have gone out to the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming into the flesh. This is a deceiver and antichrist. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things that we've worked for, but you may receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. And I like the way that Eugene puts it in the message. He says, therefore, there are a lot of smooth-talking con artists loosed out in the world who refuse to believe that Jesus Christ was truly human, a flesh-and-blooded human being. Give them their true title, deceivers and antichrists. And be very careful around them so you don't lose out on what you've worked for diligently together. I want you to get the reward that is coming to you. Anyone who gets so progressive in his thinking that he walks out on the teaching of Christ walks out of God. But whosoever stays in the teaching stays faithfully to both the Father and the Son. Speaks of people that we are facing today and they face those days that taught an alternative gospel. As I was reading around in 2020, last year, there was a survey conducted by Lifeway that researched Christians and asked them certain questions. And the people that they surveyed were people who said that they are evangelical, which meant, number one, they believe the Bible is the highest authority for what they believe. Number two, it is important, people will say yes to these answers, it is important for me, to personal, for me personally to encourage non-Christians to trust in Jesus as their savior. Number three, Jesus Christ's death on the cross is the only sacrifice that would remove the penalty of my sin. Number four, only those who trust in Christ Jesus alone as their savior will receive God's gift of free eternal life and salvation. That's that's evangelical. That's us. He, they asked them this survey, and listen to these answers. Almost one-third, 30% of those people who agree on those things agree with the statement that Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. Evangelicals, us. Almost half and 46% believe that the Holy Spirit is a force, not a personal being. Almost one in eight in five, sorry, 18% believe that the Holy Spirit can tell me to do what is forbidden in Scripture. A significant majority of 65% believe that Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. Almost 46%, which is almost half, 46% believe that everyone sins illegal and most people are good-natured. And that God accepts worship from all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. 46%. Almost one in four, 23%, think that religious belief is a matter of personal opinion. It's not about objective truth. These are evangelicals who just take those other four of what they believe. The truth the truth of Jesus. We have our own problems just like the first century church. 
Not, out, not even outside the church, inside the church, just like they did. And Paul, and sorry, I'm saying Paul and John. I've preached a lot about Paul. Every time I'm thinking of Paul. And John says here that we need to live in this truth. John warns us against this antichrist. Even in his first letter, 1 John 2, 18 to 24. 1 John 4, 3. He says the antichrists are those that oppose the truth about Jesus. They offer a substitute, Christ. There's a lot of denials nowadays. And some of it is very subtle. Eugene said they are smooth talkers, charlatans. One theologian put down a statement which I really liked. He said, to say no to God's way of revealing himself is to say no to God himself. For he will not let himself known by men except on his own terms. That's the God we serve. He has his way, and his way is Jesus to be known. Nothing more, nothing less. And I want us to remember, as we think about those things, I want us to remember that John is not saying then that, he says that when that kind of teacher comes, don't associate with them. Speaks these things, and sometimes it feels like he's, he's being harsh. That's what we would say. John has not lost his love. We would say he's being harsh in our culture today. No, John is being harsh and judgmental, but he's not. He specifically speaks of the error that contaminates the truth. Not somebody who has fallen into error by accident or whatever, but somebody who is taking God's word and turning it. It's written in front of them and they turn it to something else. Because Jude goes on and tells us later in James what to do with these people. So John tells us that these teachers have nothing to do with them. But when it comes to what happens then to the people that have been deceived that are following that, are we supposed to just throw them out just like they're teachers? This was a question that I had for myself. Then I went through scripture and two scriptures I found very helpful to answer this for me. Jude 1, 20 and 23 says, But you, dear friends, carefully build yourself up in the most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit, staying right at the center of God's love, keeping your arms open and outstretched, ready for mercy, for the mercy of our Master Jesus Christ. This is an ending life, the real life. Then he says, he goes on and says, go uneasy on those who hesitate in the faith. Go after those who take the wrong way. Be tender with sinners, but not soft with sin. The sin itself stinks to the heaven, to the high heaven. And James says, my dear brothers, James 5, 19, 20, my dear brothers, if you know people who are wandered off from the truth, don't write them off. Go after them. Get them back. When you have rescued a precious lives from destruction and prevented an epidemic of wandering away from God. We are to come after our brothers with the truth and with love. Draw them back to the truth. Draw them back to what the fundamentals of scripture is. Yes, we don't have to support. He, John tells us don't support a preacher who a teacher who is teaching something contrary. 
But for our brothers and sisters who have fallen into that deception, we need to pull them back into the fold. We need to love them back into the fold. We're not loving them in, their, in, in sin. We're not taking a soft turn on sin. We are serious about sin. But we are pulling our brothers together. We are pulling them together. Come back. You're walking the wrong way. And there's ways, if they don't listen, there's ways that are given in Scripture on what to do. But sometimes we, we, we run towards those ways of dealing with those who have not listened when we have not had time to pull them together and love them. And I want to encourage us as Broadway. In our state today, in our country today, in our city today, speaking the truth without loving is not helpful in any way. It's not the way of Jesus. Jesus speaks the truth and he loves. He walks in the truth. We walk in the truth behind Jesus. And when we walk in the truth behind Jesus, we love Our mouth of what we say should match with our feet and our steps on where we walk. As the worship team comes forward, I want to encourage you if you have not known this objective truth that Jesus came as man and God, put away his robe of deity, died for us, for our sins, while we are yet sinners, Christ loved us, gave himself for us. And as they said at CIY, he wants all men to come to the knowledge of the truth. All men to come to salvation and knowledge of the truth. And the truth that you can know and depend on is embodied in the Lord Jesus Christ. The peace that you can find in knowing where you are, security in your peace, is found in Jesus Christ. If you have not made that decision to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, I encourage you, I plead with you like John pleads with the church. Make that decision today. It's a truth that can be trusted. He becomes a rock not only of salvation but also of our lives. A place of refuge. And whether you're sitting here or you're watching online, if you have not made that decision for Jesus, I implore you, today is a day. And if you're in here, you can come to the side of the altar as we sing. And our elders are going to come and pray with you and lead you to Jesus. And if you're watching online, we would love to hear from you and lead you to the saving grace with Jesus. He loves you. He loves me. And he has the truth. He is the author of the truth that can be trusted. And then to us as believers, as we watch our words and our walk, Are we true ambassadors of this kingdom of truth? Or we are ambassadors by word and not by action? We are called to not only speak the truth, but to walk the truth. We are called to be brave, to speak the truth in spaces where truth is not accepted. 
And as we do that, we are called to love so extravagantly that people around us are shocked. Only God can help us put those two together and bind them and do both of them well. When we depend on him, church, we will know how to love and speak the truth at the same time. We will know how to not only speak but walk the truth. My challenge to you and me, am I just a talker and not a walker? Are you just a talker and never walk the truth? Anybody can have a megaphone and speak loud. But the proof is in the walking. When we walk in love, we know how to tell the truth. And the truth is then received well. Walk in love, Broadway. And then you'll be able to share the truth of Jesus. Amen.